Hello, my friend. Welcome back. And today I am obviously super excited because I say that every podcast. <laughs> but today I truly am because I am sitting down with Kara Marie Trombetta. And if you are a photographer, you may have heard her name, Kara Marie, floating around the atmosphere. However, what I'm most excited to talk with Kara about today is her experience of burnout, uh, workaholism, and the desire to constantly achieve because I see myself in her story. And so this episode is going to be really good for anybody that feels like you can't stop working because XYZ or the person that knows that they need to make a change but doesn't know where to start. Um, Just know that both Kara and I kind of not started over, but made decisions that drastically improved the balance that I, uh, that neither of us had in the first part of our careers. And so, yeah, it's a really, really rich conversation and I can't wait for you to listen to it. But before we get into that, I'm going to read you uh, Kara's photographer bio just to give you a little bit of insight if you do not know who she is. So, photographer Kara Marie Trombetta has commanded the camera professionally for nearly 15 years. She's made it her life's work to advocate for female individualism and self-love through her work, both as a photographic artist and as a photography educator. With impactful black and white photographs as her medium of choice, Kara's work has celebrated thousands of extraordinary women over the years. With her own personal growth as a catalyst, Kara Marie has come to regard the absence of clothing on her subjects simply as the removal of distraction and inhibitions rather than with the objective of creating sexy images. When asked about the classification of her work as a boudoir photographer, Trombetta gently explains, I work to grant women the permission to be fully and naturally themselves without layers to hide behind, without the need for a glamorous makeover or extreme retouching, and also without the pressure to act provocatively. Women are sexy, yes, but they are also intelligent, introspective, resilient, strong, funny, powerful, and emotional. Showing them that they don't have to model a certain way for the sake of appealing to others is important to me. I don't want to take photos of women for others' enjoyment as it seems to be the main objective for most traditional boudoir photography. There is more than enough of that out in the world. Rather, I want to take photos for women. I work to help women discover and celebrate their confidence. Limiting their expression of confidence to merely sexuality is doing a great disservice to the multitude of characteristics that women are comprised of. As an educator, Kara Marie's teaching style is approachable and caters to all experience levels and genres of photographers. Her collaboration with the Portrait Masters has allowed thousands of photographers to learn from her comprehensive video course, The Boudoir Series, and she continues to teach the message of inspiring confidence through portraiture with presentations and workshops around the world. After having been headquartered in Austin, Texas for 10 years, Kara Marie, along with her husband and two sons, relocated to Como, Italy in 20. 2021. It is there in what she references as the most beautiful light in the world that she continues her photo and educational work at a more intentional pace while traveling often and honoring the creative process. See, you are going to love this conversation. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we could have like talked forever just about 
about work, but uh, enough enough about that. Let's just get into it um, after, of course, the little intro, and then, yeah, sit down, grab a cup of tea or coffee or alcohol if you need to get you to get, if you're feeling the feelings, come up with this episode, because you might. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Squidge, the place for conversations about confronting the squidgy feelings that make us want to cry, cringe, quit, and create chaos. It's in this squidgy space that we can choose to either empower ourselves to move closer to our authenticity or revert back to our old ways of thinking and being. My name is Terry Hofford, and as a body image educator, creative podcaster, and author, I am no stranger to experiencing squidginess in both my personal and professional life. And I'm so excited to have you here as I bring you episodes featuring my own experiences with the squidge while also introducing you to some of my amazing friends who have empowered themselves through their own squidginess to achieve great things. From topics ranging from body image to entrepreneurship to motherhood to travel, there is something here for anyone who is, well, human. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am in Italy today with Kara uh, Marie, and uh, yeah, she has decided to join us on the podcast to talk all things burnout, creativity, confidence, uh, everything that brings up squidgy feelings as a creative in a capitalist world, essentially. Mm, yes. um, one of my favorite questions to start off with, though, is like, who were you as a little kid? Like, were you always achieving? Were you always, um, you know, did you struggle with confidence as a kid? Like what, who, who was Kara as a child? Yeah, that's, wow. Way to start in hard. <laughs> I love this. Uh, immediately start sobbing. <laughs> I actually did a, a huge, um, I just had a workshop and I, I, one of the things that I worked on for this workshop was going through very carefully my childhood and, and kind of matching my levels of confidence and where I am at now and, and some of my behaviors and actions and things now as a result of different things in childhood. So this is so fresh for me. Um, because of all of the burnout that I've experienced and I've worked so much and so hard, I, I've, I'm behind in the self-work. I'm all of a sudden realizing these things that um, a lot of my friends and colleagues around my age have known about themselves for years and years. And I'm just now like, what do you mean get to know yourself? Um, childhood Kara was, uh, you know, I was born to teenage parents. My parents were very, very young. And so I grew up um, I, we had, you know, I had my grandparents to help a bit, but, um, my parents were kids and they were figuring it out. And I still think that they probably did the best that they could. Um, but I, you know, money was scarce, uh, very scarce. And I, you know, there was a lot of uh, stress and hardship around that, uh, bullet point. And I knew from a very, very young age that, there's this magical thing called money that if we had it, our problems would go away. Mm. And, you know, my parents had a good work ethic, um, which is actually really good considering the, you know, their ages um, and maturity levels when they had me. But um, I, I think because of the scarcity of it, you know, my dad was always working overtime and, and, you know, taking side hustles and side gigs and things. And, and 
also because we didn't have the money, you know, I was taught, you know, if you want something like you're going to have to earn the money and, and go get it because, you know, nobody's going to hand that to you. And they did not. Uh, so I was paying for a lot of things on my own at an extraordinarily young age, um, things that normally would be covered under the umbrella of parenthood, um, typically speaking. And um, so it was very interesting and that from a very early age, like, you know, lemonade standing um, where I literally like got shut down for charging sales tax. <laughs> I wasn't paying sales tax. I was like a lemonade, $1 plus tax. Thank you very much. And it was, it was really interesting to me because I was able to, from a very young age, see how like, you know, if I was a, like a well-behaved girl and if I was extra attentive and if I was a certain way and if I produced faster, um, you know, there would be extra money involved. And then it came time for like, you know, babysitting or, you know, fetching beers for like my drunk uncles at the poker game or whatever. Uh, and if I was faster, if I carried more beers, if I was friendlier, they gave me extra money. So it's like I had this really instant connection with like, Ooh, money is something that's really important and I really, really need it. And look how easily I'm able to make this. Psh, my family doesn't know what's up. Like I, I got this. <laughs> so I built very early this confidence around working and generating money. And then my very first real job at the age of 15 uh, in customer service and I was really good at it and, you know, climbed the ladder and moved all around different departments and got promotions and scholarships. And, uh, and then I got a sales job where your income is literally a very direct result of how much you hustle. So I, you know, I, I think back to little girl, Kara, and she's just like, I, you know, I've never wanted to be like wealthy. It's, it was never a, a chase after money. It was always a fear of the scarcity of it. Yeah. And because of that, I adapted my behaviors in a way that made me good with people, which is really interesting. It was a very, it was a learned uh, behavior. It wasn't, you know, oh, she's likable. She's a, no, like, cause I can turn it off like this. Almost everybody who knows me knows that. Like <laughs> I have, you know, I'm good until I'm like, okay, I'm until done, like now. done. Like, yeah. Business Kara is over. Like now I'm, I'm crashing. So I, I think back to, you know, all of the, the connections that I had with money and the need that I had for money and then the confidence and the, and the magic that I felt in being able to achieve that. And so I tied very quickly, almost all of my self-worth to my ability to generate this scarce thing that was so important in this world. Yeah. And I was, um, I was listening to a podcast interview with uh, Gabor Mate and he talks yeah. about how like kids are narcissists essentially. So like yeah. as a kid, you witness your parents struggling with money. You're like, I'll save the day. Like it's very much the save the day attitude. And it's the same as like when a kid normally would be like, here's my change. This will help you. But like you took it to mm -hmm. the nth degree of like, oh no, I'm going to work, yeah. work, work. Um, and so how does that, uh, I guess now is a bit different. How did that show up in your business as a boudoir photographer? Um, because I think that's kind of where our stories align a little bit in terms of, we both found validation in working, uh, because it is the best distraction because it's, uh, approved, you know, it's not like, everyone's like, oh yeah. my God, you're doing the things and yay. So you get the accolades, which feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, but it comes obviously at an expense. So for you, when you first started your boudoir business, what kind of 
yeah, what happened there with that mentality? How did that play a part in that for you? Uh, interestingly enough, um, the I always had this confidence from a very early stage in my career, even when I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> that blissful ignorance. <laughs> That's what I, I always said. I'm, I'm like terrible I, I, photographer. I did, yeah, I'm like I did not have like I was teaching before I probably should have been teaching. That's what I always say. Like I'm like, but yes. I just had to get it out. Like or like I just had to do it, or I had the self assurance mm. that like of course I could do this like that yes. inner drive kind of thing but yeah it's like looking back it's like maybe I could right a bit, yeah <laughs> a little ambitious of you like maybe shut your mouth a little bit uh but no I uh I I I was good at it and I was always really booked and busy um from from a time in which like I can't believe people paid me money to do what I did but um I was always booked and busy because I was you know good I had the social confidence and I was good at, at connecting with people and I was good at at uh, staying organized and, and managing my business because I had this crazy fear of scarcity and because my self-worth was all tied up into this thing you know I, this is what I'm good at and I'm good and I'm just gonna I'm just forge ahead forge ahead and I felt any time from a very early stage in business, I felt anytime I would take any sort of, uh, you know, afternoon off, I mean, I'm not even talking about a vacation. I, if I took an afternoon off, it was like, I beat myself up about, it. I felt so guilty. Um, and then I, you know, eventually, <laughs> you know, we all know burnout. Um, I think I, I assume everybody does because it is, <laughs> it is like this, this, this thickness of you know america canada like uh, this North part of the america world especially sure. in yeah. general yeah um where you know this is what you aspire to do and i felt like anytime i would think even have the thought i need to take a break i need to slow down i need to take care of myself that i was kind of like throat punching little girl kara you know like the, this is what you knew you needed and you worked for and you got here and who are you creatives especially we have such you know we, we just want business we want clients and you build a business and you you get the clients and you do it the right way and you build something that you can be proud of and then you think well who am i what would that make me if i was like okay okay i didn't i'm just kidding yeah, i don't want much, this much though. business <laughs> yes so is it like it's it's really an yeah. interesting conundrum and then it was you know an addiction it's an addiction mm -hmm. and I was addicted absolutely addicted I was literally diagnosed classically diagnosed as a workaholic and I thought that was a fake thing I didn't think it was real um but it is so common and it was this you know I was lying to my fa like family about go I would tell my husband like I'm going to meet a friend for a drink and I was going to the studio to work ah. like that's you know the opposite of what you know yeah. you typically think of. And yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was sick and I was putting my needs last and the needs of my family last, even though in my head I was putting all of that first. It was for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I never wanted my kids to grow up the way that I did. I wanted them to be able to join activities and go on field trips and not feel like they had to pay for it out of their pocket or like they had to go door to door selling candy bars in order to go on a field trip, which is what I did. And I never, I never wanted that. Uh, for them. So in my head, I'm doing this for them. So, uh, so if you're not doing all of that work on the back end to establish and maintain those boundaries, um, uh, it becomes a very, very, very slippery slope. And I was ignoring all the red flags and over and over. I mean, I was going through these, 
I work, 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 work. I'd work, you know, 16 to 18 hour days, like away at the studio. I'd come home not to like enjoy my home that I had, like, look what I accomplished. I built this. I paid for this. This is amazing. This was such a big accomplishment for me, given where I came from. And I wasn't coming there to enjoy it. I was coming home to crash, to self-medicate, to crash and to kind of recover, but I wasn't really fully recovering. And then going back and doing it again and again and again. And I ignored every single red flag that was thrown at me. And much like what happens in um, my life, it's a recurring pattern. Like it's, it's like a gentle tap, gentle tap, gentle tap, yeah. then boom, <laughs> just like, so like a, like the cartoons where like the lead yeah. thing just like falls from the sky and, and knocks you out. And that's what my life was. And I was sick. I was very, very, very sick. Um, the symptoms I was experiencing were absolutely insane, but, and I knew that what I was going through this was something chronic. This was something maybe terminal. I knew it was serious, especially the longer it progressed. This was two years that it had gone on without me seeking any sort of, it took me a year and a half to even tell my husband what was going on inside my body. Yeah. Uh, even though he could see it on the outside of me, yeah. um, I couldn't admit it. And I certainly couldn't take the time off or cancel clients or, you know, uh, take an hour to go to the doctor and get a blood panel done. Like I, I couldn't do that um, until it got so bad that, you know, it was interesting. I was actually teaching um, a workshop in Colorado um, about building a booming boudoir business. Um, I was teaching people how to burn themselves out, essentially. <laughs> I mean, yeah, looking back like, at this like is old how, education, this is I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I just, Whoops, teach, yeah. you know, you Wrong only know message. what you know. That's the thing. Right. So, yeah. And I did know how to build a booming food bar business. So it was all, but there was, there, there was no caveat in there to like, also you, you do <laughs> need to like work on this and like, you know, maybe sleep, pee when you have to pee, eat when you have to eat, that kind of thing. Um, so I was standing up in front of this classroom after like the night before, I mean, I was like fainting. Um, I, my ankles were like swollen to this. I had sores in my mouth. I was bleeding from places you shouldn't be bleeding from. And it was just like, I was very, very sick and I'm standing up in front of this class. And I, I just looked this up for my workshop. I have, um, there's pictures of me teaching and I had brought a chair from like the ballroom. I brought a chair up to lean on because it was really hard for me to stand up. Mm. Um, but you know, I did it and I got home from that workshop in Colorado and I told my husband, okay, like I I'm dying. He said, okay, yeah, uh, thank you. Can I please, can we please take you, you know, to the doctor? Um, and by that point I was so far gone and I ended up being, um, hospitalized and almost died, um, from it, what was diagnosed as an extraordinarily progressed case of Crohn's colitis and all these other autoimmune things that were going on, but all triggered by high cortisol levels and not taking care of myself, essentially not listening to the warning signs. And there's something about being, you know, on your deathbed. Um, not able to, I wasn't able to pick up a pen and write, you know, my hands, none of my joints were working. I was dictating into my phone, which was also hard because my mouth was full of sores. It was hard to understand me. Um, but dictating into my phone, you know, what I wanted my husband to type out as letters for my kids when they graduated, when they got married, when they, so I was having these like end of life uh, moments and these traumas uh, is just so emotional. And 
I was so angry at myself. Um, like, how could I, how could I let it get this bad? How could I get, how could I do this? How could I do this to myself, to my family and my husband having to watch me go through all that and knowing I'm the most stubborn person on the planet. And he's like literally dragging me, kicking and screaming to the hospital. Um, but it, it was that time that I was like, oh shit, you know, like this is enough is enough. And, and so I took my workload from 10 shoots a week plus teaching down to four a week, which is still a lot still plus a teaching yeah. still a lot. It was still a lot, but I cut it in half and, and I felt so guilty. <laughs> I felt terrible. Yeah. I felt terrible because, you know, my, my health, I'm trying to nurse myself back to health and, and be able to lift my camera up again. And, you know, all of these things that like, you know, somebody as young and seemingly healthy as I was like, I like, come on, Kara. Uh, I was still guilty, feeling guilty and feeling bad about myself and going through bouts of depression because now I wasn't producing what I'm used to producing and the business is there and they're asking for it and everybody wants a piece and everybody like, Oh, I, I you know, banging down the door for a photo shooter like who who am I to like say no and to this scarcity's on the other side being like okay but don't forget like yeah and now insane medical bills because yeah. of everything that I just went through being self-employed and being in America with the American healthcare system and da 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 you know, my magnesium bags in the hospital were like $9,000 or something Jesus. like for, for like to rehydrate me, like just yeah. that. So it's just, I mean, it was the scarcity is this and that. And it was just, uh, so, you know, that was about a year and a half. And then I finally get myself back to a place of not, I wouldn't say nurse myself back to health, but, um, at least on the right mental path. Mm. And, um, I had, you know, completely changed my lifestyle. I cut everything out of my diet, which was the worst. It was so boring. I hated it so much. Um, cause I'm like passionate about like food and, and the lifestyle around it. And I couldn't eat gluten, dairy, soy, red meat, like alcohol, caffeine, like, whoa, what? What's what is the this point? Life? What's <laughs> yeah. the point? Exactly. What's the point? I was just devastated and sad. And then COVID. Yeah. Uh, right. And I know you've talked to people about this a lot, like uh, creatives. We had this, like, you know, I, my instant, you know, forget about the whole world and what's going on in the world. What about me and my work? You know, it was so selfish. It was so, I was just, I, I was like, no, this is, I'm not closing the studio. Like when it first started yeah. and my husband's like, he's like basic virology, babe. Like this is going to be a minute. Like we're going to be <laughs> sitting out for a while. I'm like, that's nope. ridiculous. No, <laughs> yeah. this is America. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. America. We go we back work. to work. We work no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I had my my three weeks of like panic, yeah. uh, panic attacks, panic, like, what mm. am I going to do? And then when I realized the whole world was literally just like shutting down and nobody was working, like, okay, well, I guess I have to surrender to this, right? Mm. And sat in my backyard in Texas for a very interesting spring and summer and went through essentially an entire life's worth of like therapy and like processing uh, my, my emotions and my feelings and why I am the way that I am. And for the first time, literally ever um, paying attention to uh, anything but work, mm -hmm. which is really sad. I've, I've, I had never been present. 
right? Like my, even when I was off, I was still in my head. It becomes your identity. That's the thing. So then all of a sudden, like, so there was like, what I noticed during the pandemic, there was those of us that had the identity of the workers. And then we had uh, the identity of the consumers. Like people Mm -hmm. were like, what do I do? What do I do with my hands? Like, uh, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was a time. (laughs) <laughs> it really it really was it really was um yeah so I, I went through that like I, it sounds like almost everybody else did too like that whole like ha ah, ah, ha what do we do what do we do panic 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 uncertainty I don't know how am I going to provide for my family how is anybody else going to provide for their family how is anybody else ever going to be able to pay me for my services again like you know all of these things are going through your head and 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 then there's you know the entire pandem- pandemic pandemic you're like oh and like, i could die oh, from this thing oh and also <laughs> like this is actually you know maybe a little bit more important than your silly little career maybe yeah. there is more to life than work oh my god what? there is what you heard it uh, here first folks <laughs> like i just i looked back at those years yeah. and i think like and you can love your work so much and you can be good at it and you can be doing so much good for other people um, but there is such a thing as toxic, like when it comes to, you know, doing something that you love and it was all, all of it was very toxic for me. I, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself at all. Um, and you know, enough to not get nagged by, you know, my family and, and whatever, but yeah. a lot of it was just internalized then. And I was not, you know, talking about it and, and that's not good when you bury it. And I had this day which I still, which is so strange um, to say because I'm, I'm married and I have two kids and it, usually people, when they re- recall like the best day of their lives, they think of one of those like moments, yeah, those giving, giving birth or, you yeah. know, uh, no, those were actually bad days, <laughs> but the great <laughs> after, the after like labor and delivery, not, not fun. Uh, but I, I had the best day of my life sitting in my backyard during the lockdown um, my husband had the wherewithal because he knew this was going to be like tremendously like um, life altering for the entire globe. Um, and he bought the like Amazon's last inflatable pool. <laughs> right. And we lived in Texas We and we had always wanted to put in a pool, but we were working too much to like take the time to actually manage all these projects and didn't put in a pool and it was Texas and it was hot. And we're like, we're going to be spending the summer, like literally at our house. So he bought this like Amazon's last inflatable pool. It was just big enough to fit like two round, like floaties in it. And we're sitting in the backyard and I, it was like, I, I had no, nothing on my mind. I had no worries. I had nothing to think about, but the p- people in my immediate vicinity and my son and my husband, my husband was like sitting in the dragon floaty and my son was in the watermelon floaty. My husband had a beer in his hand and he was like laying back and they were pointing and looking up at the clouds. And this is a moment that I'm like, I've never done this before. Not since I was four, five years old. And the memory that was built that day, that was the day that I was like, enough, enough. Like, I don't know what's going to happen after all of this, but so many of us reevaluated our priorities in a really dramatic way uh, during this time. And we realized it was such a, you know, interesting time for, you know, social media too. You got to see how funny and creative people were because all of a sudden people had time for their minds to wander. They had time to be bored. bored and creative and sit with their thoughts. It's so important. It's so crucial. And I never had that time ever, ever. 
Um, so that was really important for me. And that was the day that I said, babe, I'm ready. And he's like, for what? And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to move to Italy. And he was like, what? Because I'm not spontaneous. He's like, wait, what? It's a pandemic. I am not spontaneous because we had talked about it way yeah. into the future. That would be our retirement place. When we, you know, it was like when hustle, 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 hustle. When I'm ready to die, that's where I'm going to go. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, the lifestyle and the culture here is one that is like food and family above anything else. Dolce Vita, Dolce Farniente, like the sweetness of doing nothing. It is a culture that is based on being bored and yeah. just like living with it. Please. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not practical and it's not even necessarily intelligent to just be like, oh, well, um, I'm just going to pick up a I'm going to pick up and move to Italy and I'm going to pick up not only that and move to the, you know, red zone, like the area that was hardest hit by COVID and I'm going to do it during this pandemic lockdown situation. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we did all of that and it was interesting because, you know, you, you want to be the person that doesn't think that they're susceptible to society and cultural things. You know, I didn't want to think that I was trying to keep up with the Joneses because yeah. um, I was stronger than that. I just built this because I'm strong and this is what I wanted to do. And like, I don't need, you know, it, my house had nothing to do with it. My car had nothing to do with it. But then I pick and move to a place where it's like, oh, you work way too much. And you're kind of like, societally shunned for that like oh okay like all right so I guess I am uh, you know a product of my surroundings a little bit and um for me I knew that I didn't have the discipline um to set those boundaries for myself in the call like where I was um if I lived in like a, a little shanty in the middle of nowhere I probably could but I knew that as long as I had access to all of that work that I would the whole culture keep chasing yeah. it I would keep chasing it and even when now you know I've been here for two years even now when I I, I go back uh to the U.S. for work I get sick every time like I get it. It's not, it, I'm not talking about it. Like, this is me. This is me. Like I, I get myself back into this mindset of as long as I'm going, I might as well take on maximize the opportunity, this, 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 and then you end up without a voice in 12 seconds. And like, yeah. you're not eating what you're supposed to be eating and you're not sleeping the way you're supposed to be sleeping or, you know, peeing yeah. when you're supposed to be peeing. So it's just like, I, you know, I, 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 and this, I should say the very last time that I went back, I was like, all right, Kara seriously cut the bullshit. And I, I did. And I had a much um, more wholesome time and I visited with friends and I, I worked in socializing and things like that too. So there is a way to do it, but I'm two years out of that. Yeah. And it's a constant fight. I mean, it is a constant fight to not sink back into it. I was going to say that impossible like, to not compare. It's impossible. And then I see yeah. all of my, my peers, you know, doing like all of the things they're doing and producing, producing, producing. And I'm like, I went, I've had three glasses of wine and it's three o'clock and I'm sitting in the sun, which is something to be like amazing. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. That's something to, to cherish. And it's something that I know that it makes me feel good. It makes me a better, more balanced person. Yeah. Um, but I can't stop like, oh my gosh, look at them. Like they're, they're I, I'm going to step out of it and I'm going to be forgotten and I'm never that, going to, that's like I'm saying the piece goodbye. there, yeah. the forgotten, yeah. the, I'm not going to be relevant 
it, mm. like this is part of why I didn't go to WPPI we were talking about before yeah. is because I was like I yeah. need to know that I'm still a valid human being even if I'm not yeah. front and center at certain things and it's and that's that keeping up with the joneses kind of thing because i'm watching everyone well but they're following them now it's like that scarcity mindset just like creeps into so many different facets of of that and being a creative tied to that is also just like compounds it i think but Yeah, it's funny because like you said, literally like I have to my husband the other day, I was like, I just need to go live in a little shack in the woods for like three <laughs> months just to know that I don't like it. Like, because I know that I would, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I know actually yeah. I would and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. It was the environment. That's a big part yeah. of it. Um, But yeah. So hearing you say that, I was like, oh, <laughs> that is. Yeah. Exactly- I mean, that's and it true. is, and it, you know, isolation, uh, you know, being isolated away from a lot of people and things and busyness isn't for everyone. I don't think, I think a lot of creatives, it, it, it is for me. I'm like, my husband's like, take me to the biggest city. You must live in the middle of like Naples or New York city. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't think I need to see people anymore. I think I'm good. Like I'm going to name the blades of grass. They'll yeah, be my children. A, tree, a body yeah. of water and like yes. some sunshine and a book. And then I will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the most amazing things happen though, because then you take that time when you are able to set those boundaries for yourself and say, maybe, okay, I'm going to drastically change my lifestyle and I am going to commit to a four day work week which, you know, has been proven to be the most effective and productive, you know, by the way, as a four day work week, which sounds insane to us, especially those of us yeah. that have built businesses, like you can't turn it 18 off 18 hours a day. Yeah. The yes. way I say it's like when you go from driving 200 miles an hour to driving a hundred yeah. miles an hour, it feels fucking slow, like of course. Of really, course. really slow, but it is like, no, this is still really fast. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? It, but, and then you, you, the work that you're producing is so much more driven and laser focused and it's just, it's more creative. It really is. Like I, I would have never been able to come up with my most creative ideas or work on the project that I'm working on. I would have never been able to do that had I continued on the schedule that I had set up for myself very much on purpose. Like it just, um, I, I, creatives don't, especially creative entrepreneurs, like there's, there's creatives and then there's creative entrepreneurs and the creative entrepreneurs, sorry, um, creative entrepreneurs, it's just like you, you chase the, the real job aspect of it a little too hard. And then you lose the creative aspect of it. And I see that happen to everyone I talk to. Of course. Of course. And, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows. It's not like I'm living a perfectly creative life all the time now um, at all. I'm I'm definitely going through um, this. And then you go through the whole, for me, like the whole identity um, issue of moving from a place where like, okay, like my skills are sought after, like I, you know, people are uh, interested to have me in a room to hear where they're like, (laughs) <laughs> like who is this like woman cloaked in black that's like I'm like the least approachable looking person in Italy because they're like 
she's wearing like black capes and sunglasses and like she works Hello. a lot and like she doesn't know how to make a spaghetti and like uh, you're perfectly very... mysterious this is the oh. this is the goal for most people i that's why i say i'm like i want to be the like, slightly scary but also you know when you need her you need her like there's yeah. nobody else you're like i'm afraid but also i know she'll change my life <laughs> So yes. you gotta be slightly yes. mysterious in order to make yes. that a reality, yes. I think. Well, so the Italians are a lot more direct mm-hmm. <laughs> than I've noticed a time or two. Um, then it's interesting too, because I, you know, I thought, you know, you think you build up this level of confidence and like I know who I am, I know what I stand for, but it it became very evident to me that my confidence was very streamlined into a very specific lane, and that was like my career. And then anything outside of that, I'm like, you know. awkward 12 year old that doesn't know who the hell they are, what they're doing with, you know, so you pick me up and you move me to this country. And I I realized that I don't have as thick of a skin as I always thought that I had because they're like, uh, no, you're, you shouldn't look like that. I'm like, what do you mean? I shouldn't look like this. This is what I look like. And they're like, no, women aren't going to like you here. I'm like, okay. Um, I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's really interesting. Like, um, and especially not knowing the, being completely fluent in the language, which is a whole other yeah, um, you're fun being facet. A lot of things, uh, all at once, just yeah. like that that lead block. Yeah, <laughs> the I only have. way I think you and I are the type of people that's the only way we'll ever do things is like all yeah, or of course. You know what I mean? There's no there's yeah. no tippy toeing into this shit. It's no. like okay, I, I learn best under pressure, so yep, put it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so let's I, do it. But it's interesting though, because then when I step back into my world in the, like in the U.S., like speaking or teaching or whatever, there now I'm like, oh, this is freaking easy. Like it's so easy to stand up on a stage in front of 500 people and just like shoot the shit and talk and laugh. Yeah. And like six years ago, I was like, oh, you know, couldn't breathe and terrified. And like now I'm like, oh, I can communicate with these people like in my language. And like I got this now. So it's really so in- interesting. interesting. It obviously is confidence building in other ways. Um, but it is also like shining a like huge spotlight on all of your uh, insecurities, which mine has always been intelligence always. So Same. when you pick yourself and move into, you know, people are always like, what's your biggest insecurity? Oh, my butt. Oh, my this. I'm like, nope, my brain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like the people are going to think I'm stupid. That is a big one. Precisely. And I'm yep. like, oh, that so, means I have to be yeah. right at everything. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> nope that's not what that means that's a tall order isn't it yeah so that's I'm I wanna uh I'm curious how because when you were like doing the boudoir like you were running your boudoir business and you were like full-on in hustle culture we'll call it um obviously anybody looking at you would have been like oh my god she's so confident like Mm -hmm. the confidence you had in confidence in business is one thing but how do you compare that confidence to the confidence you do have now? Like what, what is the mm-hmm. difference? Because I think like, cause people say that to me, I'm like, no, I'm self-assured, which means I'll do things. It doesn't mean like, clearly I didn't have high self-value or else I wouldn't have treated myself the way that I did by not right. listening to my right. body, not, you know, it's just another version of diet culture. It's like, we're so yeah. distanced from our bodies, but like, so it's not that type of confidence. It's more of a self-assurance to just be like, of course I can do that. 
I'll figure it out, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, there, there there's two different ty- types of confidence. There's uh, epistemic confidence, which is the, I know that I know that I know that I'm correct. Factually, I am right about this. And people that possess extraordinarily high levels of epistemic confidence are, you know, the smartest person in the room and not many people like that person. You know, they're like the know-it-all, like, oh God, of course, you know that. My husband is one of these people. Same with my um, husband. I'm like, you yes. Know, you know, you always know. <laughs> But then the second type of confidence is social confidence, right? And social confidence is your ability to carry on a conversation, to be liked, to know that the people around you are accepting you. Um, And we find that people with high levels of social confidence are high achievers. Um, They tend to have a lot more opportunities, doors open for them because, you know, they're welcome into more rooms. They're welcome to sit at more tables. Uh, You can have both. You know, my husband is, I always use him as an example because he is extraordinarily like highly, highly intelligent, very advanced, very gifted. And he had to learn how to be, and he, because he's smart and he is able to do just about anything he puts his mind to, he was able to learn the social confidence things. Uh, So now he's a very dangerous combination of both, (laughs) uh, right? So for me, like there's very few things that I am epistemically confident about Um, in the realm of uh, boudoir photography. When I was, you know, teaching and standing up and, you know, I'm so confident. I I was epistemically confident in my ability to um, build a business, to run a business, to deliver amazing customer service and to help other photographers do the same thing. This was factual. It was measurable. It was something that I could look at these accomplishments. I could look at my trajectory and like it was there. quantifiable, uh, yeah. Yes. And then the social confidence aspect of it, I gained from, uh, you know, that little girl, Kara, that was like, how many Budweiser's can I put under my arms and like run over to my uncles and like, how fast can I do it? And like, without shaking them up, because that's very important. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so like, I learned that there are certain behaviors of mine and certain things that I could do to make other people feel more at ease and so that I would be more liked and da, da, da. So in that little realm of boudoir photography, like uh, that I had, I had a little bit of both, right? Uh, well, probably a lot more social confidence than epithemic, but um, a lot of the social confidence is also faking it till you make it, right? You know, yeah. power posture and like chin up and like, I am good at this. And yeah. like, yes, you're good at this. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and now the confidence that I possess is more, I guess I, um, I, I'm doing a lot better at, at tracking accomplishments and achievements because when I had all of that career kind of, uh, when I made the decision to walk away from that level of career and and pivot, knowing that what that was going to mean, even though of course there are ways to make whatever you want to do work for you. Right. But I didn't want to worry about it. Um, I wanted to change my lifestyle in a way that I was really only making, you know, a little bit more money than I actually needed to live. Mm. Um, no more need for like, uh, all of this. Um, yeah. Um, so when I took all of that away, that career away that afforded me all of these, these confidences and these things. And I stepped into this world where I knew nothing. And all of a sudden my, like the income that I had coming in went like, but I, you know, I was finding myself like slowly letting go of, of, uh, all of the guilt and really enjoying like drinking a glass of wine in the sun and just like finally able to let go. So I am now able to build the confidence in the things 
other than work, like being a human being and carrying on a conversation with a stranger and like learning how to cook and do all of these things, like cleaning for the first time, because I always outsourced everything. And yeah. now I do everything myself with my hands. And there's a certain level of confidence building around yeah. that. You know, these are things that like, I don't know if you watch Schitt's Creek, do you watch Schitt's Creek? Yeah. Like, you know, like what, <laughs> it's like not at all on the same level, but like when they like all of a sudden, like they were like up here and then now they're living in a motel and they don't have any life skills like they yeah. have no survival skills whatsoever they don't know how to try like what does burning smell like like this yeah. was kind of me like it really so was. Are, the question is are you folding in the cheese really that is the big I, question I simply I simply fold it but I do have to like YouTube very mundane things like how long does it take to cook rice and you know things like yeah, that I'm, I'm luckily I'm, I'm married like, in I've Italian got, like, American five go-to yeah. recipes and they are like I'm like we can it, just mix these up and like puts a, a new spice yeah. on it oh no that was too much let's try let's go back to I'm great here. with brunch I could yeah brunch ah, <laughs> like, yeah. eggs all day like I, I, I can make a brunch uh but yeah so it, it's it's been an interesting journey trying to build up the confidence in in those other areas and recognize you know like actually writing out the things that I'm accomplishing that have nothing to do with work I was and, gonna say that yeah. that piece there writing out the things that bring you confidence yeah. that have nothing yeah. to do with work Mm -hmm. um, that was something that the pandemic did for me because like, mm -hmm. even though like we were, there was certain times we weren't in lockdown. So we were able to like do things with other people, just like sure, yeah. years, whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember this when I would go on like road trips with my friend to go take photographs of like universe decides kind of thing. And like these fun adventures. And I was like, oh my God, like, I love this. Like, I love that we're outside. I love, like, I was just very uh, I had the time and space sure. to be very aware of how good it felt to be a human. Like that's the mm -hmm. way that I explain it. Is like I think I, like that cracked open me feeling like a human again. Whereas the first, the last seven years before that were just being a robot. Yeah. Of like work, 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 absolutely. Work, work. Yeah, and it's important to assess that. You know, when you start to have those feelings of either FOMO or you know comparison, you're comparing yourself to your peers, your colleagues and how much they're producing and they're turning out, you know, there's very few people. I don't do that a whole lot. I've never been one to like pay attention and I don't consider much of anything competition because I compete too harshly against myself to worry about what everybody else is doing really. But um, it, now that I've had time to like slow down, I have time to see more and I'm like, oh, wow, they're really like, look, Terry's got a podcast and she's got this and she's got this and she, Jesus. <laughs> like this is insane this is amazing and like but if I know that if I did even a fraction of what you're doing I would spiral into my old ways because I do not have that um, I haven't done enough of my inner work and I haven't become well practiced enough at, at establishing boundaries and sticking to them and um, so I'm still in very much in the stage of recovery it's been you know two years it out of time so much time so much time yeah well, this is the first, like, since November, I haven't, I stopped taking clients. Like I'm on hiatus yep. from shooting Which clients. Which is so exciting. Yeah. And, but terrifying. Cause again, you see your finances are like, dee, dee, dee. but then they'll like, you know, with education yeah. or like passive yeah, income, you like, you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's doable. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, I am supported, but also, ooh. so it's like, for me, this is that time of challenging the squidginess around like I've purposely created this space like you did moving there I think mm -hmm. was like I need mm -hmm. the space to sit with scarcity 
-hmm. and to say, Hey, I see that you're afraid, uh, you know, little Terry, you're afraid that you're not going to have money, but listen, we're supported. Look, look at the evidence, (laughs) like, but without that time away from the work, you really can't do that as easily because right. It's just so easy. And that's again, why I didn't go to WPPI or I just, I was like, okay, no, we're going to take like a quarter of a year and like at least, and just see what happens. Like let's create stuff that we want to create. It doesn't have to make sense. Just do, do the things that are like joyful and they may bring you money, but they may not as well. And you need to be okay with this. So it's a very interesting squidgy time. (laughs) right (laughs) yeah it takes so much time but I think now like like and you could correct me if I'm wrong but I think like you being where you are you're able to actually hear like that squidgy feeling come up or feel Mm -hmm. it like you because you have the space to say like hmm I recognize that I felt this whereas before we would have felt it but then Mm -hmm. we're like don't like that I'm just gonna work more I'm gonna book more clients I'm gonna create something to sell I'm going to like we just would have stayed longer at the studio <laughs> well you bury yourself in it yeah it's exactly yeah. right you bury yourself in what feels comfortable and this feels comfortable to me and I know that I'm good at this and I'm making this and and, and that's great that's what I want to do I like it's absolutely mind-blowing to me that just now at this stage in my life this is just now when I'm starting to realize like oh, this is the reason why I am the, like, I, I didn't consider that I was born to teenage parents and that we were poor. And they like, I didn't consider all of those things until yeah. literally right now. And I, I would have never, if I would have stayed in the lifestyle that I was in, I would have never just sat and thought. And I yeah. love sitting and thinking. And yeah. that's just something that so many of us just don't give ourselves the time and space to do. Well, and I think like looking at like my, like, I don't know, uh, I talk about strengths a lot or things like that, but like even just reading through my strengths and I think you share similar ones to me for sure. Strategic, definitely. But, um, but like a lot of the strengths I have require me, like in order for me to be strong in my strengths, I actually need time to like read and reflect and ponder and daydream. Like that is my magic. But again, in North American culture, that is not what well how much money did you make today doing that mm-hmm. you know yeah what's your average sale what's your yes it's always it's yeah, always money driven and um it's been interesting to be able to steer that conversation now when people come to me and they're like okay here's where I'm at here is where I want to be and I'm like okay but what does that lifestyle look like for you and they're like what <laughs> like because yeah. they just want it they just want to double their income they want to double their income I'm like okay but why why can we not and 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 I think in North American culture the and the stuff right um you know having stuff and living a certain lifestyle like it, it this is working classes everyone now that like we have we have this phone uh mm-hmm. we have this computer uh we have a, a membership to this a membership to that we have 17 different streaming services so you know we we probably pay a lot more than we should in like self-care saturday or like whatever because we're not really taking care of ourselves we're just yeah. like give me pedicures give me massages give me like all of these things that we're just like we're, we're chasing we're chasing we're chasing but we're not giving ourselves that time to just like sit and think 
and like when you do, it's so amazing. It was to me, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like when I allow myself the time to like, maybe I'm laying in a hammock and I'm just sitting there and I'm staring at like a flower and I'm thinking, and then I think of something and then I write it down. I'm like, oh my God, that is profound as yeah. well. You're like, like, I, I am really like, I'm like, uh, that was so philosophical of me, <laughs> but you don't, you know, like somebody is like, you sign me a book deal. Like, uh, like you just feel like so yeah. profound when you sit with your own thoughts and they're there. You just have to dig for them and allow them, you know, some time and, and some space to come to you. Um, because, oh God, we just, we just race from work, 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 work to crash. And then we get up and we do it again. And it's just not, you know, it's not conducive to life satisfaction. Yeah. Well, and I think like, and I think that's like steering the conversation back to confidence is like, yeah. and I'm sure you felt the same way as I was like, well, when I make this amount of money, like I didn't Mm -hmm. obviously say this out loud, but I'm like, oh, I'll be confident then, like, even though I looked confident, but like, I was like, but inside, I clearly wasn't because I still thought if I just had this, if I just did this, if I had this speaking engagement, if I was doing this thing over here, then it would make sense. Like everything would come together. The skies would open and be like, now you're confident and fulfilled. (laughs) I hereby dub you confidence yeah (laughs) and and so like and I see that a lot in our industry and you probably see that as well especially as an educator like we have grown up like chasing the wrong thing to be the confidence instead of just tracking what is the thing like you said like keep keeping track of the things that actually do bring you confidence or feel good or joy joy or peace or whatever the feeling is yeah or even just things that you've accomplished. Like if you go back through your career and like, it was funny, I, I was putting together finally, like, you know, the press page on my website because enough people had asked for it. And I'm like, I don't know, here's what I did. So I finally like went through and put together, you know, a list of all, of, you know, like workshops and like interviews and all of these things. And I'm like, good goddamn, look at this. This is kind of like amazing given my age and my, how short, like in the grand scheme of things, my career in this industry has been like, if, if you do that and I get the, my, um, my confident, uh, students in my classes to do the same thing, I want you to write down all the things that you've accomplished starting from, you know, graduating high school or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I say go write back 10 years because they're yeah. like, no matter how small it is, like if it was like a of ribbon course. at the local fair, like write it down. Yes. Yeah. Cause we don't, we're just like, okay, yeah. but what's next. Right. Yeah. Because uh, especially in the creative world with social media now, it's like, you're only as good as your last image for the most part, for photographers, right? Which is ridiculous, but also I get it because I'm an achiever. So I'm like, okay, if I could do that, then what can I do better? But then you hit this point where you technically know all the things you need to know that it actually doesn't get better. It just gets different. But in your mind, you're like, Mm -hmm. but is it better? How many people are liking it? That'll determine and then you're oh, like, oh god no. yeah and, i mean social social media is like the ultimate like insecurity <laughs> vacuum like it is just like it is a platform it is built number one to be addictive but no, to compare you to others like this is this is um a, an entire platform that's like hey look at what this person's doing. You should do exactly the same thing. And then more people will see what you're doing. I mean, that's literally how it works. Like they yeah. want you to follow a template. 
And then you notice that, oh, my engagement goes way up when I, you know, follow this trend or whatever. I don't, I don't pay as much attention to it yeah. uh, as I used to, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard to build up your boundaries and get yourself in a healthy state of mind of it because it isn't something that you can do like halfway social media. It's one yeah. of those, like once you're in, you you're kind you of sucked in. Yeah. 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 It's really, so that's been one of my things that I've, you know, found myself just piquing my own curiosity about like, why do I feel like I need to post something now I don't like I can go away for a few weeks and when something worthy comes to me or I have something I want to post post it and then it will be genuine and authentic maybe my account isn't going to grow I've had this account for I don't know like literally since Instagram launched it's the same account um, and I've grown my account extraordinarily organically um, and what I have now is not that far ahead of what I had 10 years ago Um, so kind of sitting like stagnant And now these people are coming on to Instagram and then in two weeks, they're following all of these algorithm things and copying and like following the template and conforming and, and, and fitting into the mold and they have 2.3 million followers. You know, it's, 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 um, yeah, it's a very scary societal thing that, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that more of us can, I kind of band together and and do the work to realize that that's not going to give us any real fulfillment, right? No, because exactly. I think it does take a lot of educators speaking up about it and and you know taking a stand and staying authentic uh, in order for people is, to notice. And that in itself brings up the squidginess of confidence, right? Like, yeah. it, don't you think you are good enough at your craft? Like, I remember saying to people about like having Facebook groups or whatever. I was like, do you think Annie Leibovitz has a Facebook group? No. <laughs> like not one that she started she's busy doing the work sure like sure yeah, yeah. so one thing that I've challenged myself is like if I catch myself on social media I have to create a piece of content so like yeah I do, do a blog post uh record a podcast um you know do a YouTube video like if I catch myself I'm like oh you're consuming too much it's time to create yeah like, create add to put it something into the world yeah yeah always yeah that's so what is uh, to kind of like wrap this up, what is the biggest squidgy feeling that you've had to overcome in this journey for yourself in the last, like, we'll say five to 10 years for you? The biggest mm-hmm. one that you're like, uh, it still keeps showing up, <laughs> but it gets easier to talk through or like sit with. <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> no, it, it really is the... um it's always, I think it's always been the same. Um, and that is the, you know, if does taking care of myself and prioritizing myself and my family mean that I am no longer, you know, a strong, confident career woman, um, that's the squidge for me. Um, you know, in the U S you had to work, like you didn't have kids, like you didn't have a family, like you didn't have a life. Uh, and I did, you know, I worked like that. Um, and then, you know, when you step out of that, it, it does feel like a very, very much a, an all or nothing, nothing thing. And I, my squidge now is learning to deal with that. Like, who cares? You know, like, honestly, like, yeah. would that be the worst thing? Um, uh, because I'm happier and healthier than I have ever been in my entire life. So 
what, what does it matter? Okay. If I'm making enough money to keep a roof over our heads and to feed our family and pay our like bills. And like, even though like our lifestyle is so different, I can't even tell you like <laughs> our overhead in the United States, just to maintain the, like a lifestyle that was pretty normal. I mean, it wasn't like uh, completely insane, but yeah. no, no, um, completely normal, but there's just like the bills and the, like all of that. Add up. And now we live like a very, we have a lovely loft, which is, which COVID special. Like we really liked out here <laughs> moving at the time that which, we did, but which, uh, you said you put on a Pinterest board years before. Guys, right? Yes. This was a manifestation of like total sidestep. I, I didn't know this until after I moved into this place because, you know, in, in Italy, like people value you very, very different things. It's not their house. It's not their cars. It's not their, like, you know, what they're, the clothes that they're wearing. It is like the food for sure. Like you, you, they, people would spend so much money, like at the butcher, like at the, the cheese shop. Um, and like, just walk everywhere and not have a car or like live in. So people don't prioritize their, their homes. I'm a homebody and I like a sacred space and I like a lot of light and there's not a lot of apartments with light. Um, I've always been obsessed with kind of like greenhouses, where warehouses, industrial warehouse. And I had a Pinterest board for my studio, like what I wanted my next studio to look like. And it looked just like this um, so much so that literally I moved in and it was like two months after I lived here, I was revisiting my old like manifestation boards, and my Pinterest boards. And I was like, yeah. this is my bedroom. Like this is my literal apartment is on my that's Pinterest amazing. board. And that's crazy, like absolutely insane. And now it comes up every time I open Pinterest, I was like, oh, there's my living room. Because <laughs> he used to rent it out for like um, uh, commercial photo shoots and things ah, like that. So it's been heavily photographed. Um, yeah. So there's pictures of it all over the place. But yeah, that was a very heavy active um, manifestation, I guess. Um, pretty crazy. But yeah, we, we we lucked out there, but we lead a very extraordinarily simple life now. And we, you know, somebody will text me and be like, Hey, do you want to meet for a walk? Like it happened this morning. You want to go for a walk? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting out of my class at uh, 10 o'clock. I can meet you in, you know, 25 minutes. Okay, cool. I would have never been able to do that before. People would be like, hey, do you want to grab lunch? Yes. How is Thursday, April 22nd at 442? Yeah. I'll have 18 minutes then. That was my life is very highly scheduled. So um there, there is that balance, but it is also that like stepping out of it. And now I'm in a completely different country too. So it's like, okay, I really am being kind of like forgotten or I, people have said like, oh, well, she's in Italy now. So she doesn't, you know, I still care. I'm still here, but I'm fighting that switch. So it's like, I don't, yeah. I, I love what I do. I really do. And I am pivoting now and I I'm cultivating more of the artistic side now. And I've been working on a lot of like projects that I haven't put out into the world yet. And I'm very excited to do so. Um, but also it's that, you know, are people going to be like, shut up and do boudoir? Because <laughs> even, like, even if they yeah. did, so what? Right. Those aren't Would it people, matter? Right. right. Exactly. The, like, yeah. That's yeah. Where take, take from, take from the mindset that you have when you were running boudoir, when you were like, you're just not my client. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like take exactly. that thing, take the thing exactly. and apply it to this now. Um, but yeah, I saw it. Did you you were part of an art show or something like that that happened? I did. Oh gosh, yeah. And that was like the most probably the most challenging I've ever been in or challenged I've ever been. I 
went to a friend of mine that I made here was she is all about she's an artist and she used to be um, a civil rights attorney and in like Rwanda like it's really like a crazy career and lifestyle and then she left all of that about six years ago to be a ceramicist an artist she's oh a wonderful God. amazing human I being I love, love her so much I know uh, she just like <laughs> and she just lets her hair be wild and she, she's very like I love her I love her so much and uh so she kind of like we're we we've both kind of taken each other under each other's wings. Like I'm like helping her build her confidence and because she's going through this identity thing. Like she used yeah. to be in power suits and like sitting in these very important rooms. And now she's like, I'm an artist and I don't make any money. And da, da, da. you know, having that kind of yeah. uh, the, the artist debacle that we all have. Uh, and I have always struggled to call myself an artist. And I always wanted to. I always felt like deep down that like I am an artist, but like I am very commercial. Like my work is very commercial. And I like I just want to. I want to create more for me. And I've, I've done more of that over the years, but I knew when I moved to Italy, I'm like, okay, this is like, here is your perfect opportunity. Like you're surrounded by like art, art. museums and, and art, like this is your time to slow down and create. And, and so I've, I've been doing that and she's been working on me. She's like, you are an artist. You need to call yourself an artist. I'm like, I'm not quite ready yet. So she told me about this workshop. Um, Mustafa uh, Mustafa Sabat, who's a contemporary photographer, uh, he has uh, photography exhibitions all over the world in the grandest places in the world. He was uh, Richard Avedon's assistant, oh, yeah. um, way back, way back, like in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, and then he grew, like, went on to build his own amazing photography career. And he's like a big teddy bear of a scary-looking guy. Um, but he's so um, he had this workshop, and it was a self-portrait. Um, workshop and uh, but it was more about like the uh, cultivating the creative side and working through the creative process and I like everything about this workshop spoke to me but I was so resistant because I'm like no like no I'm not ready for this she's like this is literally a workshop built for you like yeah. you need to go to this and I'm like no no I don't take right now I, I I'm not going to do it so she talked me into it I went to do it it was in uh, Lugano Switzerland which is very quick uh, 45 minutes from here and I went to this workshop and he almost immediately like honed right in on me as, because I was really the only one that was a working professional photographer. Um, everyone else was in the art space in some way, but they weren't really, you know, professional photographers. So he, you know, and there's something very direct about uh, Italians, which is um, refreshing and also very like, you know, yeah. breathtaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like it's very, like you feel very seen. And, you know, he, he was like, I want to see your work, show me your work. And he pulled open my website and we're sitting in this group and he's like, and he's looking at it. He's he was like, I, you're a very good photographer. And I was like, thank you. Of course, it's like my website. So it's like, you know, the best, right? Yeah. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, it's way too fucking pretty. And I was, which like, when he said that, I was like, because this is everything that I have been feeling for the last 10 years. Yeah. It's like, I, everything's too curated. Everything is too, like, I don't want that anymore. And I've been working away from it. But yeah. like, when I left the US, I was like, this is my chance. Like, no more curation. Like, let's just like get into the gut of it, yeah. you know? And so when he said it out loud in front of a room full of people, I was like, <gasps> I know. <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> yes. So I did this workshop and it was very like healing and very um helpful to have him point out things because he literally the on the shoot day, which was the second day, he was like, You, you're first. I'm like, okay. Granted, this is all in Italian too. So the, yeah, like, I I'm all say, the way and, out and of my own. Taking this class in Italian, right? <laughs> in Italian. And and I, I he 
puts my camera on a tripod and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, no. I can't shoot on a tripod. Puts my camera on a tripod and he's like, you're going to photograph everybody here and I want you to capture their souls. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So no pressure or anything. And he's watching me and he's like, why'd you just do that? And I'm like, oh my God, um, I don't know for a better composition. He's like, what do you mean by better composition? And he's doing all the things that the back of my head is always telling me, like, why did I pose her that way? Why did I lean her forward like that? Why did I have her? Is it more flattering? You know, that. so he's, he's saying all these things to me and I'm like, okay. And I'm getting flustered. So I'm like in my students like seat right now, you know, I'm like getting flustered. I'm like, oh, and I keep like grabbing the camera on the tripod and like moving it. And he's like, what are you doing? He taped me to the floor. Tripod legs, me. He was like, don't move. Cause I kept like moving the camera because I didn't yeah. want to just stand still. He was like, the, where you put the camera has no mind. I want you to get the soul of this person. And I just couldn't. So it was really, really important wow. to do. And then the idea was to curate, help me curate uh, an exhibit piece, a self portrait to exhibit in this joint, this group collaboration uh, exhibit in Switzerland. That was supposed to be the end game of this. And I've never exhibited a single piece of work ever, ever, ever. Oh, um, wow. I always knew that I was going to, and this was my time to do that. Like I, that's what yeah. I'm, you know, working on. But I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And it's a self-portrait. And I'm like, this is something that I know and I do and da, da, da. And he was like, but you're not going to do it like that. And I'm like, I, I know I'm not, I'm not. So I did, a, a, it was a 12 hour self-portrait kind of like performance arty. Um, where no makeup just rolled out of bed and uh, the entire point was kind of to capture the natural progression of like exhaustion and and all of that on the face um, over the course of a day. Um, So every 30 minutes, I set my camera timer and it was a timer, so I couldn't trigger it. So I had to just stand there and it was like three or four minutes in advance. So I just stood there and stared at the camera, no professional lighting, like no anything. And it was just me looking into the camera. And I'm like, this is going to be so boring. I'm not that interesting to look at. Like what could possibly change that much? Like between like 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., da, da, da. And he was like, do it. Like you, you have to do it. He's like, it's not going to. And I'm like, okay, this is so boring. And I was just uninspired, you know, and I'm, I'm writing journal entries along the way. And I'm like, I mean, Ooh, a girl without makeup, how brave. Like, who cares? You know, I'm just like, so over myself. Right. Yeah. The end of it. And I'm like, I'd pack up all my shit. I had to rent an Airbnb because our apartment is like one big rectangle, no privacy whatsoever. Yeah. So I rented an Airbnb to do this, like packed up all my shit, came home. My husband's like, well, how'd it go? I was like, I have no idea. He was like, it was a good, I have no idea. I feel like I have to see him as a collection. It is what it is. It is what it is. And that's exactly what it was. And it ended up being 25 um, metal prints, square metal prints, no retouching exactly as they were. It was just boom, here I am. And what I did along with it was like a QR code. So you could read what I, what my thoughts were for each shot. And that was the most interesting part. Cause it was like, this one was like, when I was like, I, who do I think I am? Like, this is ridiculous. This is so stupid. You can see it in my eyes. Yeah. And then like one where I was eating a piece of chocolate, like you can see my eyes were like all lit up. And I was yeah. like, I, I was like excited. And like the last one I was laughing like hysterically. Cause it was like the last one I was so excited. So it was just really cool to see that. And it was nothing like anything that I have ever done of myself. Not, even though my self portraits aren't very curated at all, but it was very like, 
in your face, like real and mundane. And um, it didn't use any of my professional skill set whatsoever. I didn't use professional lighting. I didn't use like strategic poses or da, 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 like yeah. nothing. It's just you didn't use your top your top ten posing flow. <laughs> I did not. There was no. There was nothing. In fact, and you like the, still I, I showed it in public. I showed it in public, <laughs> and then, well, now it's currently they. He was because there was an art curator that was coming around, and he was like, "So, are you making multiple like renditions of this? Are you selling this?" I was like, "No. Like, who would want the? You know, I'm thinking like, who would want this? Because I'm looking at uh, on the wall, and these people like these art people, which I'm not like. I'm an art person, but I'm not like an art person. You know, I'm not yeah, I know like." What you mean. Oh, it's interesting that you chose the da da. I'm like, that's not what I was thinking. But yeah, they, you know, they, they're coming in and they're staring at it and they're talking to me and like asking me questions and they're making it so much more philosophical than I'm like, no, actually, the point was that I wasn't trying to do anything. It's like, yeah. do less, do less. Right. Um, so it was a really interesting exercise for me. And uh, it was very well uh, received and very, I don't know, now it's all in, packed into a graphy studio box because that's <laughs> who I ordered it. All packed into a box and like tucked away because I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. Like, I don't know, individually, they're really bad, but like together, it's more interesting. I just can't. He was like, hang it in your house. I'm like, no. <laughs> We're okay. No, 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 no. That's not necessary. Not yet. But no, but I, I will. Um, I'm working on a book um, now. I, nice. That's always been my career thing that like I will have a coffee table book because I love coffee table books. I just, yeah. I mean, I've got lots of them, <laughs> like lot, I mean, stacks all over the place. Like uh, you could build like forts and things with our stacks of books. <laughs> love coffee table books and I've like always wanted to print my own more for me than for anything else and uh, I've never made any career moves or any kinds of projects like exclusively for me without the thought in the back of my head of how can I monetize this will somebody um, buy this Did it yeah do? and and I I'm going into it knowing like this is not going to be a super lucrative thing that I'm doing here um and of course, like my other like coaches and like mentor, like Sue's like, of course you're going to make money doing it. Like, how are you going to make money? I'm like, no, I think I'm just like, I just, if I go into it with the mindset of that, like, it's not going to be what I want it to be. It's mm. not going to be fully like authentic and true. So if it makes money, that's cool. But um, I really have always just envisioned this, you know, this coffee table book and exactly, I have the picture of it in my mind, which now is coming to fruition and then um, pair that with uh, an exhibit so I can see the prints Yay. like on the walls big. Yeah. Um, and I have absolutely zero expectation of anybody buying a single thing. I just am so excited to get it like, done and to yeah. like, yeah, even just printing the test prints and and like playing with them on the floor to get them all um, in order and all of that. It's been really uh, creatively fulfilling. And I, for the first time last week, when I, I finished another chapter of it and I like threw down my Wacom pen and I was like, I'm a fucking artist. <laughs> I was like, there she is like I was so excited he's arrived it was like cohesive and it, it looked like it was on purpose and not just you know vomited onto a page so yeah, yeah. It, it's it's something that I would have never uh given myself the opportunity to have the time to do before so I'm I'm doing that yeah oh <laughs> I'm so happy that's so good and I get to see you in a few months which is cool uh coming back yeah. to Italy I don't know this will probably air in 
May or June. So we'll see. <laughs> Maybe before uh, then. Awesome. Yeah. But either way, I'm super excited. Uh and Me too. yeah. I can't wait for you. I can't wait for you to like have your book. And I think, yeah, I think it'll be beautiful and awesome. That's what I, what I felt when I like got a billboard. I was like, this is just yeah. something I've always wanted to do. Like, I don't care yes. if it brings in more clients. I'm like, this is just exactly and I want to do it. So it's a huge accomplishment. It really like, and when you want something like that and you accomplish it, that is like, yeah, check it up. That, that is it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the fulfillment. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about that personal goal achieving. So I'm glad that you're doing that too. Awesome. So where can people find your work? Uh, don't go on social media. Just kidding. Do find No, out. no. <laughs> social media is fine. I just don't expect me to be there a whole lot. Um, <laughs> there but go. I am on Instagram at Kara Marie Studios, Kara with the K. Um, my website is karamariestudios.com. And then I have all kinds of education. Uh, and that is at education.karamariestudios.com. And that's workshops and guides and customer service courses for photographers and the boudoir series on the portrait masters. Um, but if you Google Karamarie and photography or education, it will come up <laughs> somewhere. So hopefully if I did my job right. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank Here's you, Terry. Love you to pieces. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I hope that episode left you with some delicious info and action steps to take to help you move through your squidgy feelings. I would love it if you could like, share, and leave a review as it helps other people find this content. In addition to that, I'm excited to tell you about the Patreon membership where our members go to get even more good stuff. I'm talking challenges, weekly posts, images that have never been seen, and a little FaceTime from yours truly. Of course, with a focus on mindset, body image, and creativity, we are going to get into all the squidginess about what it means to be a human. You can check out the different membership options at patreon.com forward slash Terry Hofford, as well as at the link in the show notes.